0: Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of Fallacious Trump. Uh, yes, we would normally be putting an episode out uh, this time, but Mark is away this week and so it's just me and I didn't want to let this the opportunity go really with to, to talk about the very racist Trump tweets from last week and the response that there has been to them. Because if we wait until uh, we're Mark and I are recording again, then frankly... The news cycle will probably have moved on, and we'll be talking about something else. I know that Mueller is due to testify very soon to Congress, and so we may want to talk about that instead. And there's just a few things. It's not filled with fallacies. This this issue, particularly, so it's a kind of it's a light episode of of fallacious Trump. Uh, and I just wanted to uh, to put this out there. Patrons aren't being charged for this episode. It's a completely free bonus. I just didn't want to um to to not talk about this issue until until next week, really. I wanted to, c- to cover it now. So, first of all, with apologies for the extended Trump impression, I'm just going to read the three tweets that caused this whole debacle. This was from July 14th, Trump said. So interesting to see progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world, if they even have a functioning government at all, Now loudly and viciously telling the people of the United States, the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run. Why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came? Then come back and show us how it's done. These places need your help badly. You can't leave fast enough. And I'm sure that Nancy Pelosi would be very happy to quickly work out free travel arrangements. So, those three tweets are filled with Vicious racism and inaccuracies and just quite stunning level of unpresidential words. They aren't massively filled with fallacies because he's not really making an argument so much as just making assertions. And um, to be honest, it's not the fallacious nature of the tweets that I really want to focus on. I'll just very quickly cover the, some of the inaccuracies. He doesn't specifically mention the four congresswomen who, who have come to be known on the Hill as the Squad, uh, Ilhan Omar, Alexandria, Casio cortez Rashida Tlaib and Ayana Pressley, but he, it has become clear. Every, everyone knew who he was talking about when he said the progressive Democrat congresswoman. Um, he's, he's talking about how they originally came from other countries, um, actually only one of them originally came from another country, Ilan Omar is a a Somalian refugee who came to the US when she was a child. The other three, Ocasio-Cortez, Tlaib and Presley, are all US-born. Omar is a US citizen, she's a naturalized citizen. The others were born in the US. So telling them to go back where they came from is meaningless. And when he says that they originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world. For three of them, at least, he's talking about himself because he's the government in their country. So that's weird. And he's saying that they are now telling the United States how the government is to be run. That's kind of the job of Congress people <laughs> is to, to tell the the country how the government should be run and and try to run it in that way and and improve things in the country they are trying to fix the the broken crime infested places from which they came by becoming elected and and doing that they are fixing what is broken or they're trying to at least so there's inaccuracies and there's unnecessary statements and there is what well, is federally defined as racism in the in these tweets because the US Equal Employment Opportunity Commission who is the federal agency that's, that's there to enforce the laws that prohibit workplace discrimination they specifically cite go back where you came from as the kind of thing that would constitute unlawful harassment and and would be a reason for people to get fired from their jobs so saying that it's not racist is is first of all not what the government says. It's also just clearly not true. It's it's obviously it's a it's an incredibly common thing that is said to people of colour, and, and and I'm sure lots of people who are who are listening have had that said to them at some point because it is just so common. However, as I said, I don't really want to focus on the fallacious elements of the Trump tweets because um, first of all, this is a little kind of bonus episode the, the less fallacious aspects of that than one I just wanted to look at which is the response especially from the media to his tweets and the fallacy that I want to just touch on in relation to that is called argument by emotive language uh, it's also known as loaded words loaded language or euphemisms and basically it's usually used to make something seem more distressing or or emotional than it is and by by using specific words for example if you describe abortion as murder then you change the conversation that you're having into a much more emotional one Uh, but it can be used in the alternative way to make things seem less emotional for example by describing racism in a different way not calling it racism or as has been done in the past when talking about Trump by many media outlets, talking about lies without using the word lie, saying misstatements, misrepresentations, untrue statements, or things like that, rather than just outright saying Trump lies. Some media outlets have done that. Uh, some have done it from the beginning. Some have, have come to it later, um, uh, but some still don't. And... In the same way, some are taking what was said here and in the follow-up interviews where he's doubled down on this kind of stuff and have not called it racist. Some have, and the some of the um, media outlets that have said racist uh, or racism, specifically related to Trump saying that, that his statements are racist, are places like The Guardian, the Associated Press, CNN, MSNBC, the uh, Huffington Post, Washington Post, Mashable, BuzzFeed, Vox, Rolling Stone and The New Yorker. Also, The New York Times managed to say it in an op-ed by Charles Blow. He called Trump a raging racist. However, The New York Times really is leading the charge of using euphemisms instead of saying racist in their news coverage. In the headlines and in the articles that that have been written about that, they have not called him racist. They have not said his tweets were racist. They have not described this as racism. They used to use the words racially charged a lot, and I think they got taken the piss out of quite a lot for doing that. And so they've gone a little bit further, I think, in a way, and they've described his his politics as racially infused, which sounds like a kind of sparkling water flavor um but they, they've they in their headlines and in the in several articles that have been written about this by the new york times they have included things like trump fans the flames of a racial fire his um they have described his comments as comments that even some members of his party called racist he uh they've described get, saying go back where you came from as widely established as a racist trope but by by essentially putting the the words into someone else's mouth by saying other people have called this racist they are avoiding themselves calling it racist other outlets have used the, the previously very common thing from the New York Times of racially charged, uh, NPR, CBS, ABC and the Wall Street Journal have, have used racially charged for this description. The BBC said that these statements were widely called racist and that Trump has been accused of racism, but again they didn't specifically say he was being racist or that the uh, the tweets were racist. The LA Times said it was usually considered an ugly racist taunt. NBC said it had been denounced as racist. CBS said he had been called racist and xenophobic. Again, all of these organisations did not say Trump is being racist. Look at the racist thing Trump said. Fox News, obviously, uh, didn't even get anywhere close to it. They simply called the tweets controversial and inflammatory. So why are all of these... Organisations using euphemisms instead of saying Trump is being racist and these tweets were racist and his response to uh, any pushback has been racist. Um, That's a good question. I don't know the answer. I know that there are some decisions that some media organisations make based on the fact that some of their consumers are fans of Trump and they don't want to call him Like Just like they don't want to call him a liar, they don't want to call him racist, and they will say negative things about him. And in in many cases, the Trump supporters will hear those negative things and dismiss them. But I think that a lot of people who believe the same things as Trump and are racist, and certainly are what other people would consider to be racist, don't like to think of themselves as racist, don't like to be called racist. And so if the media outlets are saying... This thing, which you, the reader, thinks the same thing as Trump about, this is racist, they are they are directly insulting their own readers or their listeners. And if they say something like this thing that you, the reader, also believe the same as Trump has, has been called racist, they are separating that out. They are not directly calling their readers and their listeners racist. So... That may be one of the reasons, at least. And a lot of organisations, as I've said, have not had a problem with that, and they have come out straight away and said it is racist. The Washington Post, incidentally, Marty Barron, the, the uh, top editor of the Washington Post, actually put out a statement to explain why the, the Post had decided to use the word racist. He said, "...the Post traditionally has been cautious in the terminology it uses to characterise individual statements." Because a news organization's job is to inform its readers as dispassionately as possible. Decisions about the terminology we use are made only after a thorough discussion among senior editors. We had that discussion today about President Trump's use of a long-standing slur against African Americans and other minorities. The go-back trope is deeply rooted in the history of racism in the United States. Therefore, we have concluded that racist is the proper term to apply to the language he used on Sunday. So... I think that's really good, actually, because not only have they called Trump racist, they've explained why they didn't use a euphemism. And in fact, the Associated Press, in their style guide, they have said you shouldn't use euphemisms for racism where racism is the appropriate term. And and the AP, they, they did call it racist. NPR, who used racially charged instead... Um, Keith Woods wrote a, a blog on NPR's uh, on on their Code Switch blog. He wrote a post, which explained in a way why they didn't use racist. He said he doesn't disagree that Trump's statement was racist, but he doesn't think it's appropriate for journalists to say that. It's a it's an argument I have a little bit more trouble coming to terms with. He he said that avoiding that kind of language is important to upholding the fragile line that separates the profession of journalism from the rancid institution debasing cesspool that is today's politics. So I think it's a bit weird that Woods feels that it's inappropriate to call a politician racist but to call politics as a whole a rancid institution debasing cesspool. Uh but there you go. He he didn't want to um to go as far as to to say racist. I tell you some people who don't have a problem calling it racist, though. As I mentioned, you know, there are there are Trump supporters who don't want to be considered racist or call themselves racist. There's another group of Trump supporters who who don't seem to have a problem with that at all, people like neo-nazis uh, and self-confessed white supremacists. Andrew Anglin, who runs the Daily Stormer website, he put up a post on his site that said, Man, President Trump's Twitter account has been pure fire lately. This might be the funniest thing he's ever tweeted. This is the kind of white nationalism we elected him for. He also, in the same post, said, So this is not some half assed anti immigrant white nationalism. Trump is literally telling American blacks to go back to Africa. Alt right, punchable figurehead Richard Spencer tweeted, uh, with a single tweet Trump was able to win back the sizable deluded portion of the alt-right so he's praising Trump for, for saying this and Matt Parrott the former head of the white supremacist traditionalist worker party he called the president's tweets uh, overtly racist and uh, as a good thing not as a, not as a complaint but that was something that, that presumably made him feel greater support for him so In a gubernatorial debate in Florida in 2018, Andrew Gillum uh, said about his opponent, Ron DeSantis, I'm not saying he's racist, but the racists think he's racist. Well, that's the situation here. I am saying Trump is racist, and the racists definitely think he's racist. And at the North Carolina rally that he held this week where the crowd supposedly spontaneously burst into a chant of send her back send her back it's quite scary how many people there are who do agree with him and he claimed that he was not happy about that chant and that he very quickly started speaking to get them to stop in fact you can watch the video and he stood there listening to them chant for 13 seconds They got to chant send her back eight times before the chant just died down and then he started talking again. This, unfortunately, seems like it's his 2020 strategy and it remains to see how many people in the US are racist enough, whether they consider themselves to be racist or not, to fall for it. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye!